This is what Rashi meant when Rashi connects the reader to the 21st chapter of Genesis. When Rashi suggests that the real connection, the Achar Hadvarim Ha'ela, after these things, connects back not to the prior story, but to the story of Yishmael. The Torah has essentially contrasted the behavior of Abraham in chapter 22 to the behavior of Hagar in chapter 21. In contrasting the two stories, of course, there is a point of tangency. Because each story is involved with a parent who saves their child. In chapter 21, Hagar is able to save her child. Because God opens her eyes. God who hears the cry, not of Hagar, but of the child. God opens her eyes, directs her to water, and she gives her child water. And that's the way that Hagar saves Yishmael in chapter 21. But how does Abraham save his child in chapter 22? The angel calls down to Abraham, who is about to sacrifice Isaac, and says to Abraham in the 11th Pasuk, Avraham, Avraham. And Abraham again responds, Hineni, I am present to do your bidding. And the angel says, Al tishrach anar. Don't harm the child. Do nothing to the child. I know you are, a, you are a God-fearing man. You have not withheld your only child from me. Abraham is instructed not to slaughter his child. But Abraham is still faced with a contradiction. Because on one hand, God has instructed him to slaughter Isaac. And on the other hand, God now says, don't do it. But Abraham wants to understand what is the nature of that initial command of Kachnod Bincha to take Isaac? And in an instant, through his own intuition, without being instructed, Abraham understands how to resolve the contradiction. The contradiction for Abraham is resolved through sacrifice. He lifts up his own eyes and Vayar he sees a ram behind him, Achar. And Abraham took the ram. And he brought the ram as a sacrifice instead of his son, as an act of substitution. And Abraham named the place, we are told. God sees or God chooses. Which today is called the place in which God is seen. Abraham redeems his child not through a jug of water, but through an act of sacrifice, through an act of substitution. In bringing the sacrifice, which is Isaac's proxy, he is reclaiming Isaac, he is saving Isaac. But in a sense, symbolically, he is sacrificing Isaac. The idea of sacrifice, after all, is primarily that of substitution. The sacrifice, in a sense, is Isaac. On the other hand, the sacrifice is other than Isaac. And in bringing this sacrifice, Abraham calls the place, the place that God chooses, or the place that God sees, Hashem Yir'eh, which in the biblical narrative 
is a fulfillment, a vindication, as it were, of what Abraham has said earlier in the ninth verse. Because Isaac asked Abraham, suspiciously, I see the fire, and I see the wood, but Father, where is the lamb for slaughter? It's interesting that Isaac didn't mention the knife. Isaac is concerned. We're going with the wood, and we're going with the fire, and Abraham is carrying the knife, but where is the sacrifice? And Abraham reassures his son by saying, Elohim yir elo haseh. God will see for himself a lamb. And Abraham's faith is vindicated. In verse 13, when Abraham lifts up his eyes and he sees the ram, and Abraham names the place of sacrifice Hashem Yireh. It's true, God has seen. God has chosen for himself a sacrifice. Not a lamb as Abraham had thought, but a ram. And what's the difference between a seh and an aisle? Between a lamb and an aisle, a ram. A ram is a huge animal. A ram cannot be simply captured by a person. The only way Abraham could sacrifice a ram is if the ram is entangled in the thicket. Abraham sees in the ram a sign that God truly has provided the ram. A human couldn't simply capture a ram. It must be this ram has been provided by God for him. In that instant, Abraham intuits what God must always have meant. And his faith, that it would all turn out for the best, has been vindicated in verse 13. And in verse 14, the vindicated Abraham names the place Hashem Yireh. So Abraham's faith is confirmed. And perhaps more significant than Abraham's faith in chapter 22 is Abraham's perception. The ability to intuit on his own, what God must have meant. And in all this, the Abraham who ultimately reclaims his son, even as he went to sacrifice his son, obeying the divine command, even in his agony, the Torah proclaims twice, Vayochush Nehem Yachdav, the two have walked together. That's the view of Rashi. And that's what Rashi sees in the text when Rashi suggests after these things connects back to the Yishmael story of chapter 21. There is another way to understand after these things. And that is that it connects back not only to the Yishmael story of chapter 21 but as it were connects to all the Abraham stories. That chapter 22, the binding of Isaac, is a climax, in a sense, of the entire Abraham narrative. Now, what is there in the text to suggest to us that chapter 22 is the culmination of the Abraham story? A story which began properly in the 12th chapter. If we turn our attention to chapter 12, which is God's initial communication to Abraham, we notice something very striking. And that is, that the divine communication in chapter 12, God's first speech to Abraham, bears a striking resemblance to God's last communication to Abraham, which is chapter 22. Chapter 12 began 
with God speaking to Abraham and God instructing Abraham, Lech lecha meyartzecha umimoladetcha umibeitavicha. Lech lecha. Take yourself. Go. Take yourself away from. Meyartzecha umimoladetcha umibeitavicha. Your homeland, your birthplace, your father's house. And go. Ela aretz asher areka to the place I will show you. That's the initial command to Abraham. Chapter 22 contains the same expression, Lech Lecha, in verse 2. The only two places that this expression appears in the book of Genesis. Lech Lecha Eretz Abraham is commanded in chapter 22, again, to take, to take your son, your only son, the one that you love, Isaac. The rhythm is the same. And take yourself to the land of Moriah and bring him up there as a sacrifice. In the first story, take yourself, leave your home, leave your past behind. In the second instance, perhaps leave your future behind. Your remaining son, covenantal child, is to be sacrificed. But it's not simply the presence of the Lech Lecha in chapter 12 and 22 that suggests that the Torah is calling our attention in God's last communication to God's first communication. The story of chapter 12 bears a striking resemblance to chapter 22 in a much more profound way. Because the story of chapter 12, God's first communication to Abraham, instructs Abraham to go to the place that I will show you, the unnamed place that I will show you, in chapter 22, Abraham is told in the initial command to go to the place of which I will tell you, Hamakoma Omar In chapter 12, when Abraham goes to the sacred place and comes in the sixth and seventh verses to the land of Canaan, Abraham, when he enters the land in the city of Shechem, which the Torah tells us is also known as Elon Moreh, brings a sacrifice. In the 22nd chapter, it's not Elon Moreh to which Abraham will go, but Eretz HaMoriah. But there too, in the land of Moriah, which clearly is literarily connected to Elon Moreh, the purpose of Abraham's going to Eretz HaMoriah in chapter 22 is once again to bring the sacrifice. If we look a little more deeply at chapter 12, and we read the chapter in its entirety, we see that in chapter 12 of Genesis, Abraham is instructed to go to the place that I will show you. He goes, he sets up an altar, he sets up another altar, but in the 10th verse, Abraham departs from the land. Abraham goes down to Egypt. And in the land of Egypt, he says that his wife Sarah is his sister. That's the story of Abraham in the land of Egypt. And Abraham in the land of Egypt is a problematic story for the reader for two reasons. First of all, that he went to Egypt in the first place, leaving the sacred land. Perhaps he should have remained in the land, or certainly not gone to Mitzrayim. And secondly, his behavior within Egypt the saying that his wife is his sister, 
raises for us many problems. I would add, not just for us. Many of the classical commentaries on the Bible were very troubled by Abraham's behavior, as well they should be. Chapter 22, we have precisely the opposite story. Because in chapter 22, the two strands, the two themes of chapter 12 come together. The themes being discovery of the sacred place, and secondly, confirmation of the fact that Isaac is his one and only covenantal child. Chapter 12 suggests to us that though Abraham has followed the divine command, he doesn't yet fully understand what God is teaching him. If he fully understood it, he wouldn't insist that his wife is his sister. If he fully understood it, he wouldn't find himself in the land of Mitzrayim. In chapter 22, however, the Abraham who can see the place that God has chosen, the Abraham who can see from a distance, the Abraham who can lift up his eyes and see the ram, is the same Abraham who can reclaim his son and through the act of reclamation affirm this is the one that I take back. Not like Yishmael. Yishmael is sent away in chapter 21 not to be reclaimed. But the Abraham of chapter 22 is the father who can recall, who can redeem his son through the act of substitution. Which suggests to us that whereas the Abraham of chapter 12 is in a certain sense an unfinished product, as well we would expect. After all, it's God's first communication to Abraham. It's the beginning of the story. It's the Abraham who doesn't yet fully understand Sarah's role. It's the Abraham who doesn't fully understand the dimensions of the land, the nature of the sacred space. It's the Abraham in chapter 12 to whom God says, I will, the land that I will show you. And in verse 6 and 7, when Abraham comes into the land, he brings the sacrifice to the God who appeared to him. Hashem Elav. It means he has to be shown. But in chapter 22, Abraham is not shown anything. Abraham is told, yes. But the discovery of the place is not merely a function of the fact that God has told him. The discovery of the place, says the Torah, is a function of Abraham's ability to perceive. And this distinction between chapter 12 and 22 is confirmed through another feature which is common to both stories. If we look at chapter 12, God's first communication to Abraham. When God speaks to Abraham, God says to Abraham, Get up and go. Leave your home, land, and your birthplace, father's house behind. Go to the place that I will show you. And then the Torah continues in the beginning of chapter 12. I will make you a great nation. I'll bless you and I'll make your name great. You will be a blessing. So we have the presence not just of a command in chapter 12. We have the presence of a blessing. Interesting that in chapter 22, we also have a blessing. At the end of chapter 22, after Abraham brings the ram, and after Abraham names the place, 
the angel of God calls down to Abraham a second time from heaven. That's in verse 15. And in verse 16, God swears, because you've done this thing, you have not withheld your son, your only son. I will bless you. I will increase your seed as the stars of heaven. And as the sand of the seashore. You will defeat your enemies. All of the world will be blessed through your descendants. Because you have obeyed me. So we have a blessing at each. In fact, the second blessing can be seen as an enhancement, an embellishment of the first. The blessing is present in both stories. But what is interesting is where it's positioned in both stories. In the first story, it appears in conjunction with the initial command to leave. Leave your home, leave your father's house, and I will bless you. And I will make you a great nation. And that's not true in the second story. In the second story, in the command to go and to take Isaac, no blessing is promised. And actually, it's quite the opposite. No blessing is possible. Because the story of Abraham, of Avram, or Avraham, of the exalted father, is about continuity. It's about passing on the blessing. If Abraham would truly slaughter Isaac, not only is no blessing present, no blessing is possible. Because Isaac is the only one he has left. The slaughter of Isaac precludes the possibility of blessing. So Abraham is commanded to go and to sacrifice, and there is no mention of blessing. The blessing only appears at the end of the story. And what that means is that the Abraham of chapter 12 is a person who was willing to obey the divine command. But the incentives have to be built in to the commands. Do this, and I want you to know right away, from the very beginning, that if you do it, there's a blessing in store for you. That's the Abraham of chapter 12. But the Abraham of chapter 22, the Abraham that the Torah speaks of as being tested or tried by God, is an Abraham who doesn't have to be told about rewards. What God is saying in effect in chapter 22 is, do it for its own sake. Do it because I tell you to do it. Do it because you trust in me and what I'm all about. That's the message that God speaks to Abraham in chapter 22. And Abraham goes, only after the fact. Only after Abraham intuits what God must have meant and brings the sacrifice and reclaims his son do we have the presence of the blessing. The enhancement of the blessing that we found in the beginning of chapter 12. It means, to come back to our topic, after these things, is not simply after chapter 21, after the Ishmael story, but it means after all of these things, because it ties up to the first Abraham communication. And chapter 22 is a closure. Chapter 22 is, in a sense, a completion of the Abraham cycle. It's the Torah's way of telling us that the 22nd chapter of Genesis is the climactic chapter in Abraham's life. 
when the fundamental issues of his life become resolved. The issues being discovery of the sacred space, issue number one. Issue number two, a perception, a correct perception of the dynamics of his own family, who the covenantal child is, what his role is, and by extension what his mother's role is, Yishmael's role as a blessed son who does not partake of the covenant, Hagar as perhaps a negative influence upon Yishmael, one in any event that at this point in time must be placed outside the house. In chapter 22, Abraham understands these two things and simultaneously, in one verse, in one instant, he accomplishes both objectives. In bringing the sacrifice and naming the sacred space, he has found the sacred space, which he names Hashem Yireh. And the very instant he brings the sacrifice, he has claimed back his son, thereby affirming that Isaac is truly the one and only covenantal child. Now there's another way to understand after these things. The Rashbam, Rashi's grandson, Shmuel ben Meir, who often takes a literal approach to the Bible, argues that after these things properly connects to the verses that precede it. Certainly a logical approach. He argues that there's a connection between the binding of Isaac in chapter 22 and the story that immediately precedes it, which is the covenant that Abraham makes with the king of the Philistines, Avimelech. The interpretation of Rashbam is that the binding of Isaac should be understood as a punishment for Abraham for entering into a covenant with the Philistines, whom the Rashbam sees as Canaanite people. Abraham should not have made a covenant with Avimelech, says Rashbam, the Canaanite king, because it demonstrates a reliance upon the earthly king as opposed to reliance upon God. And because he did this, he is taught the lesson of chapter 22 in which God demands full obedience to God. Now, without getting into the details of the Rashbam's interpretation, one which I must admit I find difficult to accept, we could agree with the Rashbam that logically, after these things, should connect up to the story that precedes it. What, if any, connection is there between the story of Avimelech at the end of chapter 21 and the binding of Isaac in chapter 22. And it seems to me that in following the lines of the Rashbam, in seeing a connection between the two stories, the connection should be understood in a very different way. At the end of the 21st chapter, Abraham makes the treaty with the Philistines. It's a peace treaty. And the 21st chapter concludes by telling us that Abraham named the place Beersheba, that they made a covenant in verse 32, that after Avimelech and Fichol, his general, went back to the land of the Philistines, 
Abraham planted a tree in Beersheba. And Abraham called there in the name of the eternal God. And Abraham dwelt in the land of the Philistines for a long time, many days. It means that Abraham has set up Beersheba and perceives Beersheba as the fulfillment of his mission to find the sacred place. Because he doesn't only bring a sacrifice in Beersheba. He plants a tree in Beersheba. And the tree represents longevity. He doesn't only call to God in Beersheba. But we are told in the 33rd verse, he calls to the eternal God. B'shem Hashem Kel Olam. He called to the eternal God. He doesn't only dwell in Beersheba. But Vayagar Avraham B'yaretz Prishtim Yamim Rabim He dwelt there for many days. The suggestion in the text is that Abraham sees Beersheba as the final resting place. He has this treaty. He establishes his place. In the 22nd chapter, God speaks to Abraham. Abraham. And Abraham says, Hineni. And God says to Abraham, Take your only son Isaac, the one that you love. Bring him up as a sacrifice. Where? On one of the mountains that I will tell you. Where is the sacred place in the Bible? Not the place that Abraham chooses. Not the place that any human chooses in the Bible. The Bible refers to the sacred place always in the same way. The place that God chooses. Hamakoma sheyivchar Hashem. And that's the contrast between the 21st chapter and the 22nd chapter. It can't be Beersheba, because Abraham has chosen Beersheba. It's got to be the place that I will tell you. Just as in chapter 12 it was, the place that I will show you. But if the sacred place is the place that God chooses, what is the human responsibility? And the human responsibility is described in chapter 22. God chooses the place. But the human responsibility is, through our own perceptions, to intuit what God has chosen. God has told Abraham, and yet the Torah insists that Abraham discovers the place for himself. And that's the connection between the 22nd chapter and the 21st chapter. Abraham must leave Beersheba to find the sacred place. And what does Abraham name the sacred place? Hashem Yireh. God shows. God has seen. God has chosen. Abraham understands the secret of chapter 22. Beersheba is left behind. Only God can choose the place. So we have seen three interpretations of after these things. And all three are true. And all three are significant. It connects up to the Yishmael story of chapter 21. It connects up to chapter 12. It's a conclusion to the entire Abraham narrative. And it connects up specifically to the end of chapter 21. It connects up to the end of chapter 21 because the point that chapter 22 makes is God chooses the place. And this is the reading for the second day of Rosh Hashanah. The day of Rosh Hashanah is the day that we celebrate the kingship of God.
which means that it's God's world. We celebrate God as creator. The human responsibility in our lives, in our learning, is to understand the text, is to intuit what demands God makes upon us, and to arrive at at this understanding through our own experience and through our own perception. That's the story of Abraham. Came to pass on the third day that Abraham lifted up his eyes. And he saw the place from a distance.